0: When uh, one of his parents, when um, Alex or Corbin walk into the room, he just lights up, and uh, and it's such an innocent love, you know. When we're that that little, and we're looking at our moms and our dads, and, and we we genuinely don't believe we will ever be able to love anyone as much as I love my mommy and my daddy. And then later in life, that kind of evolves into uh, you meet that special someone, you know, and. Uh, you think, oh, I love this person, and that that grows into at one point getting to look into each other's eyes and make those vows, and you know you're looking at him, you're like, I couldn't possibly ever love anyone as much as I love you, and uh, and then you find out, well, you can, because as soon as you hold that first baby in your arms, and you're looking at them, and you're going, oh my goodness. And you, and you, you look great, right and you hold them really tight, and you whisper in their ear, and you tell them, I'm going to love you forever, and I'm going to protect you forever. And that's when you, two, you step back and you kind of think, This must be what God was talking about. This kind of love, because you're looking at that, how precious they are, and they're relying on you. And then, as life progresses, um, either your daughter or your son in and they hand you and put your first grandbaby in your arms and you you find that there's a whole other level of love that you didn't even know about as you're as you're looking at, at them and I think that's some of the reason it uh, it makes it difficult for us to really really grasp um, what how God loves us so the Greeks they had a bunch of words for love uh, we'll talk about some of them this morning and I think that they, they had it right because it, it's hard for for me to really understand how when I say I love pizza, and, and then how I love my wife, it's the same word. And there seems to be a pretty big distance in between those two words. So one of the first, uh, well, I, I think I have six or seven of their, the Greek words called out tonight. Um, eros is one of the first words they use. And that's a, an intimate and a passionate love that we have for each other. Phyla, which is a deep friendship love. Ludus, which is a playful, flirtatious love. Pragma, which is a long-standing and eternal love. Felicia, which is a love for oneself. See a lot of that. And, And then agape love, which is really an unconditional love. And, you know... I'll tell you right now, if we had more than one word for love, it would make our lives a lot easier as men, because we can't read between the lines, (laughs) so it would be nice if she was using a certain word, I'd understand, but you know, that's how it is, Uh, and that's kind of how God's love for us, there's so many levels of it, and you know, as we walk through this thing called life, and as we experience things, we get to experience all these different kinds of loves, and, and all the things, and I do I think uh, we're missing it when we only have one word for love because there's just so many things that love covers So many emotions and understanding love and how it impacts our own personal lives And relationships helps us to set that foundation so that we can understand how much God loves us And the depth and the breadth of that love the other thing I did Uh, This morning in my excitement to get here to talk to you guys was not bring my reading glasses. So we'll see how this goes. (laughs) But even with a good foundation um, of love, it's still very hard for us to understand um, how much God loves us and and, in what way. Even though we experience love in our lives, it's very rarely unconditional love. And, you know, I painted that, that picture when I first started of, you know, when you're a baby and a toddler and as you grow and those different things of love. And I painted a really ideal, you know, idealistic kind of, of picture. But the truth and the reality is life is messy. Relationships are messy. And unfortunately, people aren't perfect. So as we walk through those different things in love... How's that? Maybe I hit the button. We're going to just assume I hit the button. So inside of that, you know, sometimes awful things happen. Sometimes there's abuse. Sometimes there's disappointment. Sometimes uh, there's infidelity. There's things that happen. You can fill in the blank as we're walking through life and, and, and the different Things of, of, of love. And it's hard. There's betrayal, there's jealousy. And, I'll, and I try to, to use examples. So I'll say it like this um, I love my wife, Nikki, to death. And I, I would genuinely lay down my life for her right now, this morning, if I, if I needed to. But that love still lives inside of our marriage. And it's not unconditional. There are things that both of us can do that can drastically change how we feel about each other. Can drastically change the love that we have for one another. And not always for the worse, sometimes for the better. I mean, there are things that we can do that, that make our love grow. And then there are things that we can do that turn that off. Now, I don't think I'll ever, ever not love Nikki, but... It could be drastically different. And see, that's the big key thing. That's the difference, see? God loves us unconditionally. There is absolutely nothing that I can do to make God love me more. Nothing. But there's also nothing I can do to make God love me less. You know? And it's that kind of love, it's so difficult for us to wrap our heads around because almost every other experience of love that we have in our life, it is It's conditional. It just, it just is. And to be able to just kind of wrap our heads around how the, God just loves me. And you know what the other thing that I find hard and difficult to wrap my head around? Is God loves those people that come against me. The people that slander me. The people that speak ill of me. The people that want bad things to happen to me. He loves them. And he loves them just as much as he loves me. You know, I think that's really hard to, to really wrap my head around, to really understand. Because God's love is so much different than what we're capable of. It's so much different than the love that we express uh, to each other. You know, and, and another example of that would be, you know, I would gladly lay down my life for my family. I know I would. You know, I'd jump in front of whatever it was coming You know, and I like to think that I would also lay down my life for some of you guys. But would I lay down my life for people I don't know? I don't know. Maybe. Would I lay my life down for the people that hate me? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. And it's that's the kind of 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 how you have to look at that. God would. God loves each of us so desperately and so much that he is willing to make incredible sacrifices for us to the point that he's willing to watch his son be hung up on a cross to pay a price that he didn't deserve to have to pay for because he loves us that much. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to try to get that so we can understand that in a different way. Many, many, many years ago, um, Pastor Mark uh, at the East Troy United Methodist Church, and he was only a pastor there for a short time, but we were going there. And he told a story. And I think it is a true story, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but I, what I am sure of is the incredible impact this story had on me. It has stayed with me for all these years. And I... And I think about it a lot. And he told this story about this father taking his son and his son's best friend out on a fishing trip in the ocean. And they were out there, and while they were out on the ocean, they got caught into this really, really bad storm. And they're out on the back of the boat, and they're trying to get everything tied down. And a wave breaks over the boat, and it washes his son and his son's friend overboard. And the dad grabs the life ring, but he realizes... He's probably going to have enough time to save one. They're up in the North Atlantic. It's cold. So at that moment, he decides to throw that life ring to his friend's best friend. And he pulls him into the boat. And unfortunately, he was right. He didn't have enough time to save his son. And later, through tears, when asked, the father said, I knew where my son was going. I knew that my son knew Jesus and I knew if something happened he was going to go to heaven. But I didn't know what his friend's relationship was. I didn't know if he knew Jesus or not. And then it was told that later not only did that young man get saved he became a pastor and he made a tremendous impact on all of those that he came in contact with. And that's a kind of a glimpse of how God thinks about us. We're, we're that precious, and I want to believe that as a father, I could make those same choices. I don't know. I hope so. But sorry, I didn't mean to get so so deep here. Uh, but over the years, I've, I've thought thought back on that story many, many, many times. Uh, Not only because I I think it it really does paint a a beautiful picture of what God's love is for us, but also I think it it helps me to really put it into perspective just how shallow my love can be. And, you know, sometimes we need to shed light on that. We need to acknowledge that we struggle with that and that there are better things that we can do and we can be less selfish. I'm very selfish. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. I try very, very hard not to be, but... It's, it's a very difficult emotion so let's turn to chapter Luke chapter 6 we're looking for verses 32 through 36 Luke chapter 6 verses 32 through 36 and I'm going to read out of the NIV Maybe If I can get him far enough away So verse 32 If you love those who love you What credit is this to you Even sinners love those who love them And if you do good to those who do good to you What credit is that to you Even sinners do that And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment What credit is that to you Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get payback, anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. it paints a, a really clear picture about how we're supposed to be walking in love. And I think, at least for my, myself and in my own life, I get really just caught up in my own little bubble. And I find that it's very, very hard for me to get outside of that bubble and really make a difference. But That's what we're called to do. We're, we're really called to be that light. We're really called to be the salt of the earth. We're, we're really called to be the people that... Don't just impact the people around them that think like them, that act like them, that are part of their family. That's what the church is called to to be, you know, and it's hard. You know, it's really hard when you, you know, to, to go without in your own family because you see a need in someone else's family that you don't know or... You don't have a personal relationship for But that's what we're called to do You know, I'm called to make that call In my own family And sacrifice something that I want Because I see a need somewhere else And somebody that That, that they can't repay me they, they, you know I don't have a relationship with them That's what the Christian walk is about You know, that's what sets us different That's what, that really makes us A light in this world Is, is being able to make those sacrifices because they're people, not because they're family, but because they're people and God loves those people. Does that make sense? I'm supposed to not say that makes sense because my wife yelled at me, but. Ah. This part's going to be a little hard for me, so kind of bear with me. Uh, one of the biggest questions that I get asked a lot is. Okay, if God loves me so much, then why does He allow so many bad things to happen to me? Why does He make me have to suffer through all of this loss and this pain? Why? You know, you, you tell me that He loves me, you tell me that I'm so precious in His sight, then why do I have to have all this pain? Why? Well I'm not a theologian And I don't have all the answers But what I am going to do this morning Is I'm going to stand up in front of you And I'm going to speak from my heart And I'm going to be honest with you And I'm going to paint the best picture that I can Because I don't know if anyone has All the answers for this But it's a question that I get asked all the time And I want to try to address it a little bit Maybe if, even if it's just for one person. And I'm going to speak about personal experiences in my own life. I heard someone say this, and I apologize. I don't remember who said it. I believe it was a pastor. pastor. But I do know that when he said it, it was like things in my life started dropping into place. It's like, wow, I understand. You ever have those moments? So what he said was, and somebody else may know exactly who said it, I'm, I'm hoping they do, but he said this. He says, when you pray to God, when God receives that prayer, he has to look all the way back to the beginning of time, and he has to look all the way forward to the end of time before he can answer that prayer, because he needs to know how it's going to impact everything else. And I was like, Wow. All right, that kind of makes sense, because he can't contradict anything that he's done in the past, and he has to see how answering that prayer is going to impact. Um, so I came up with an example that I think reflects that, and then here we go. So you own a business, and you're about to lose it. So you're on your knees, and I mean, you're crying out to God. God. And you are saying, listen, this is my livelihood. If I lose this, how am I going to provide for my family? You know, the community is going to think I'm a failure. I, you know, God, you know how much I've sacrificed to get this, bill, this business off the ground. You know how much I have poured into it. You know how much it means to me and, and my family. And for that matter, God, I know that it was you. You put it in my heart to start this business. How can you let me lose it? So that's the prayer. You, you're on your knees. That's the prayer. You've, you've laid it at God's feet. So God, he has to look all the way back in time, and he has to look all the way forward in time. And when he does that... He sees that if he answers that prayer right now, if he pulls you out of that tragedy, if he changes the situation so that you don't lose that business, then six years from now, on June 3rd, 2025, you won't meet Jimmy Smith in an elevator who just lost his entire life savings on a failed restaurant and had decided just that day when he got home, he was going to end it. He was going to take his own life. He had nothing left to live for. But because he met you on an elevator, and you got to talking, and you told him that, yeah, two years ago, I lost a business, and I was gutted. And, but through my faith in God, I persevered, and now I have this incredible business, and life is good. If you didn't have that testimony to give him at that moment when he got home, he was going to commit suicide. But because he heard that testimony, he decided maybe it's not the end. Maybe there still are things to live for. So, my question to you is as a father and as a friend or a father, what would you do? Or father or mother, what would you do? Would you answer your child's prayer? Or would you allow them to go through that pain and that suffering for that moment because you saw the bigger picture and that other people were going to be impacted? See, that's the kind of thing that that's happening every time we lay our prayer at God's feet. You understand? Does that make sense? you know. And it's difficult. I don't like to see my kids suffer. I don't like to have them come home from school and have been, had someone be mean to them. I don't like any of my family I don't like seeing any of you guys suffer and if I if it's within my power I want to make it right and I think that is the big disconnect yeah it's well within God's power but he sees the bigger picture he sees the impact all the way back and all the way forward and we have to learn to trust him Sometimes it's very, very hard for us to see past the moment. We are in-the-moment people. It's whatever is happening at this exact moment that is all-encompassing, that is the only thing I see, that is the only thing that matters. It's what's happening right now. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But that's not everything. Sometimes those moments build character. Sometimes those moments build perseverance. Sometimes those moments build patience in your life. Sometimes those moments and those experiences and those things that we don't want to go through but we do go through create a testimony. They create a testimony that when we tell other people can encourage them, can lift them up out of whatever that they're struggling with. So, Sometimes we have to watch our kids go through terrible things. Sometimes we have to let them figure it out. And I think sometimes that's what God does in our lives. And I'm going to read some of this because this is emotional. I said that I would tie this back to my own life and my own experiences. About eight years ago, I was having a normal Saturday I just mowed the yard and I had gotten off the phone with Nikki her and her cousin were out shopping a couple hours away and the phone rang again and it was my mom and she was absolutely hysterical and I couldn't figure out what was going on I barely understood her but what I gathered from it was something had happened with my sister Wendy and she wasn't making a lot of sense and she wanted me to find out what was going on. Her and uh, my dad were down at Country Cupboard. They were having a meal down there. So I got off the phone with her, and I called my sister's phone. And this lady answered. And I said, "I can I talk to Wendy? And she said, is this Ryan? So she must have known me. To this day, I don't even know who answered the phone. She said, is this Ryan? I said, yeah. And she said, I am so, so sorry. There's been an accident. And she said, Wendy's gone. And I was like, okay, there's been an accident. Where do I go? I mean, what hospital is she in? You know, where do I go? And she said, no, you don't understand. She said, she's gone. And I remember arguing with her like, no, no, you're not hearing me. Where do I have to go to see her? What hospital is she in? And I got off the phone with her and I called Nikki and, I, and we, together we decided there must be some just terrible mistake. We're going to get to the bottom of this. There's some, you know, there's some miscommunication and uh, it's pretty much when everything just went numb for me. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how God Take my little baby sister. She had four kids. They all needed her. It, it just, I just didn't understand. I remember, I know I still only remember bits and pieces of, of, of that whole day, but I, I, or not the whole day, the whole experience, but I remember being in that receiving line. We had the funeral over at the mud creek church and just people just kept coming in and coming in and coming in and coming in and the whole church was filled and there were people standing in the back and i remember thinking how amazing it was that wendy had impacted this many people and i thought oh wow and pastor Shea, he did the service in uh well, before we go into that, I think I have a scripture. Let's turn to Isaiah 43.4. And while we're turning there, I did have a, I do remember vividly too, just so desperately wanting to have five more minutes. There were so many things I needed to tell her. So I'm just trying to tell you how, how I felt. So Isaiah, chapter 44, verse 4, and I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. It said, Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. This verse has been really a huge encouragement to me. Because what it is saying is it's saying, listen, there's no amount of money that can pay for your life. You are more valuable than any amount of money. No jewels, none of that. There's nothing monetary that makes up or is as valuable as you are, Tim. Nothing. Nothing. The only thing that comes close in value to your life, the only thing that comes close to value of my life is someone else's life, your life. That's as valuable as my life. Not money, not things. Nothing is as valuable except another life. And that's what that verse is telling us. That's what that verse means. You are so valuable to me that by through your sacrifices I'm going to give you people. People for that sacrifice. Other souls. That's what you are worth. You are worth other people. The other thing I remember is Pastor Shay did just this amazing message about Wendy's life. And as he ended, he did a salvation message, and he did a, um, basically an accepting Jesus message. And you looked out across that whole church, and there were so many hands that went up, You couldn't even ha- you couldn't even count them. It was amazing, and it was surreal. But there was one hand that I saw. And it impacted me to the point where when we got done, that was the first thing that me and my wife talked about. She was like, did you see that? And I was like, yeah, I saw that. We saw that hand go up. And a few months later, we lost that little girl who raised her hand that day that we both saw. She was killed in a tragic car accident. And a little bit after that, one of the, the ladies that my sister worked with, she felt led to come over and talk to me, and she wanted me to know that in the months preceding the accident, her and Wendy had been talking about God a lot, and that Wendy had accepted Jesus. I didn't know. And that was something that, on my own heart, I didn't know I could not wrap my head around it, and I was really struggling with, with that. And you see, I don't know if this is what happened. But as a father and as a brother, what I believe is that God looked all the way back in time, and he looked all the way forward in time, and he said, Right now, at this moment, I have my precious daughter in my arms. And through her sacrifice, I'm going to get and impact all these other people. And I'm going to have them also in my arms. And he said, so I'm going to take her right now. Because that's what her sacrifice was worth. Other people. And that's how I stand on it. That's how I... That's how I get through that question of why do I have to go through all this pain and suffering if God loves me so much? That's why. Because He loves everyone else the same amount. And He knows the big picture, and I need to learn to trust him, and I need to trust that he is working all things, every, see, there is nothing that happens in your life that God's hand is not on, there is nothing going on in your life that God is not actively working for your good, the problem and the disconnect is, sometimes we can't see past this situation And we don't understand, but if we can learn to trust God, if we can learn to believe that he does love me, desperately loves me, loves me so much, and that he is working in every situation in my life for the good of me, then we can get through life, then we can get through The things that happen in life that we don't understand. The things that happen in life that are difficult. The things that happen in life that hurt. But that's a conscious decision. You have to make that decision. That God is for you. He is not working against you. And you know what? When you make that decision, when you, when you determine in your heart that I'm going to trust God, I am going to believe that he does love me and he is for me, that you are going to create a testimony in your own life that is going to be a light, that is going to encourage other people that are going through that same thing, that's going to encourage other people that have just made the determination that God does not love them and that life is not worth living. See, that's what we're called to do. We're called to overcome, to be victorious. And when people see that, when people look at you and they go, but I know you went through that. How can you be happy? How can you be happy again after doing that, that happening? And then you can talk to them. And you can be that light. Sorry. So let's turn to John chapter 3. Verse 16, and then probably everyone already knows it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son... That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what it's all about. Now, this life, as awesome as it is, it's not the end game, the end game is eternity. And I don't know if there's anything that we can do To wrap our heads around what eternity is Or why But that's what Matters You know it doesn't really matter What we have to go through here It's keeping our eyes On Jesus it's believing that That is truth That is the end game that is what matters And that's what we're called in here to do Today So I know it was kind of a hard Message I'm not even sure how long it went but what I want to do this morning is I want to open up the altar. And I want to pray for anyone who's just struggling. Struggling with trusting that God does love them. the Struggling with trusting God in any situation. It doesn't matter what that situation is. But if you just need someone t- to pray with you that God is in control... Or someone to encourage you that things will get better or things aren't as bad as they seem. That's what I want to do this morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Ooh. Because it is the truth. God does love you, He is in control, and things aren't as bad as you think. So if you need that encouragement, and I, Tim, I think, is Tim coming up? You are? Kristen's coming up and play. That's what I want to do for you. So the altar's open. You don't even have to tell me what the problem is. I just want to encourage you and pray for you this morning.